can Buck have the coat upstairs and I can't have boys in my room? Because that coat can't get pregnant. Obviously, neither can Kelly. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Hey guys. It's the Mayor with Children podcast. Here we are. It's Wednesday. We are in the nudie bar and we are getting our fortunes told while eating and or drinking Tang. My name is Al. I am here with the guy who is happy to hear that a a fur coat can't get pregnant. Jerry, what's up, man? But they are really expensive and ruined by red paint. That they are. And we're also joined by the guy who found a wallet in the mall, and he came here on his own time. Justin, what's up, man? Are you going to give me a tip by chance? Hmm, well, do you want that fur jacket? No, I'd like some cold, hard cash. Uh, bud, can you take care of that? <laughs> I, uh, I, I 100% was, like, trying to guess which one you were going to give JP, and I thought it was going to be, and the guy who wants to do a wet t-shirt contest with all the wives. Oh, yeah. Well, that's me, actually. Oh, okay. well, fair I, enough. I can't introduce myself. Mm. That would just be weird. Fair point. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, we are reviewing The Gypsy Cried. This is Season 3, Episode 8 of Married with Children, and it aired on February 5th, 1989. So the synopsis of this episode, after a birthday party, fortune teller predicts luck for everyone else, but doom for... Wait, did it say birthday party fortune teller? Wow. And why am I giving these people the credit of even reading this? <laughs> like, I don't, like, I guess she technically, like, maybe on her card, business card, it says birthday fortune teller. But at no point do they call her a birthday fortune teller. And at no point is it anyone's birthday in this episode. So a fortune teller that was hired by Steve because he thought that was better than what did Marcy want? Uh, a ca- caricaturist. Character artist, which he thought would offend people. Upset them. A fortune teller tells them all their fortune. And unfortunately for Marcy, it is very bad fortune. But on the good side, she gets to go to New York to help with the keynote speech that her boss is going to write. Unfortunately for her, it involves flying to New York City. It sounds like you're reading that. I am not. I'm. I'm looking yeah, it did, at. It did sound like you were reading that. I legitly was not. That's odd. Okay. Well, this was directed by Jerry Cohen, the legendary director of Marrow Children, written by Richard German and Michael Moy. Hey, we have some goofs here. Do you notice that or no? I, I didn't notice it while watching. I never noticed those small goofs where it's like, you can see the shadow of the boom, Mike. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't see that. I, I barely ever actually noticed the boom. Like, I read about it all the time. Boom, Mike, visible at 62 seconds of scene one or something. But I never noticed it. And then one time when I actually do notice it, I'm like, holy shit, it's the boom, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, just so everybody knows, the one unique part of our show is that 
there really is nothing for us to go on. I hear a lot of podcasts out there, and a lot of them get to read, uh, get to hear the uh, audio commentary that they put on DVDs and stuff like that, you know, from the directors or the writers or whatever. And they get to sort of take those notes and do their reviews. We don't get to do that. And anything that we get <clears throat> is researched. And sometimes there's little things on IMDb like goofs, so uh, which is usually one or zero, mostly zero for each episode. Uh, so this one is Shadow of Boom Mike at the top right picture when Peggy opens the door for the guy that brings Al's wallet. So, I mean, that's that's not that great. There was one time I mentioned one with Kelly, but I just do it because it's there, so whatever. Uh, so, let's start this episode. Al and Peg get thrown out of Marcy's party she's having at her house. They weren't actually invited either. And they stole a tray of food. What was that food? Was it like lunch meat? Yeah, like rolled up salamis or something. Yeah, it looked like one of those party trays you get that just have like crackers and pepperonis and then like slices of cheese all garnished on lettuce for some reason, which I don't understand because no one's going to eat that lettuce. Nobody. And Marcy treated it like when they took it as if there'd be nothing else. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, well, I have to go make food or something. Like she actually went to the – and why would you go in there for a refrigerator to get food? (laughs) excuse me al but the party just started i'll need the food back (laughs) oh sure marcy (laughs) oh well that's okay i suppose you need it more than i do just find some ginger snaps here's my thing she uh doesn't take the food back when al sneezes on it and then she sneezes on it too which one i 100 percent do not think that would stop anyone in the bundy house from eating it but i would have thought she already would have not eaten it because of al getting on the table above the food (laughs) and telling everyone to have a wet wives t-shirt contest which he then tells Peggy that she would have won. And I'm just like, so was Marcy the only other female there? Because that's the only way I see Peggy winning in Al's eyes. Yeah, do you think Fluffy was there? Ooh. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, wait, what if his regular wife was there? Right, she probably was there. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, yeah, I guess Peggy would have won. Well, it's funny you say that. I'm glad you mentioned Al saying this. I'm going to point out a very interesting character arc between Al and Peg and, and their rela- – it's actually their relationships arc, which is very odd. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, Al <laughs> sneezes on the food to keep it when Marcy wants it back. Marcy sneezes back on it. So it's like nobody wants it, I guess. So uh, they do a really cool callback. And God, I wish I could remember the episode because I love naming them. Where uh, Bud gets the siphon hose again. Well, Dad, we got the gas like you told us to. <laughs> don't worry. I don't think anyone at the party saw us. They were too busy watching Buck mount Mrs. Vandergilder's fur coat. <laughs> Can you believe that all this came from one Rolls Royce? 
Oh, hi, Mrs. Rhodes. Guess what? One of your guest's cars sprung a leak, and um, young Bud and I thought that it was a fire hazard. <laughs> so luckily, we happened along with these gas cans and once again saved the day. <laughs> Damn vandals. I think they keyed the cars, too. <laughs> Kelly had a bright idea, which is really odd. Um, you know, Marcy overhears this whole thing about them stealing the gas, and she comes, like, a light bulb goes off over her head, and she has this idea that uh, the cars were leaking gas, and before a fire broke out, they had to drain it. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest excuse. So. It reminded me of uh, her excuse she had about the school bus that she hijacked. Oh, please, let's not remember that. <laughs> Holy oh, God, that's bad. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Nobody said we were too hard on that joke, and good for you guys, because we weren't. And uh, it's even like hearing about it again actually makes my brain hurt. <clears throat> so, you know, like we said in the intro, <laughs> Buck is making love to a fur coat over there. <laughs> and then he, he runs in the house upstairs with the coat in the bedroom. I love Kelly's line there. Oh, no, Peg's just tops it off, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Peg has the, the line. What was Kelly's line? Mom, why can Buck have the coat upstairs and I can't have boys in my room? <laughs> because that coat can't get pregnant. <laughs> Obviously, neither can Kelly. <laughs> Just wing, wing, wing on there. <laughs> she squeaked through another month. Well, you know, since we're all throwing stones here, we were really hurt not to be invited. It was just uh, an oversight. No hard feelings, I hope. Let's go, Marcy. I want to get my fortune read by the psychic we hired. I hope I'm not intruding. She is incredible. Did you sense our presence here? No, I sensed you were leaving the party without paying me. <laughs> Oh, no, Madam Olga, of course not. But as long as you're here, I haven't had a chance to get my fortune read. Steve, please, I really think we should do this back at our house. No. Please. Sit down. I feel very strong vibrations here. Did you leave your toy running under the couch again? <laughs> no, it's in the shop. It's being turbocharged. Oh, yeah. I, I, I always can never believe that they... It, it, like, I understand that they do it because I've seen it so many times now, but right. I always still just get like, wow, I can't believe this was... When was this, 89? Yeah. In 89? Yep. Yeah. January 89. No, February 5th. Is this February? Yeah, this is February 5th. Yep. Bald and Beautiful was uh, January 29th. Oh, you're right. Can you believe that? Like, it's weird. We keep saying that, but... Uh-huh. So she starts pulling tarot cards. That's how she decides to take... Every, to do everyone's uh, future or whatever. Like, how to read their future, do the fortune telling. She uses the method is tarot cards instead of a crystal ball or palm reading. Uh, so real quick, uh, do you guys believe that psychics are legit on any level at all? I, I always want to say no because of the whole, if they were psychic, they would win the lottery. But I'm like, well, I don't, maybe psychics can't tell their own future. Maybe, like, maybe that's part of the thing. Like, you, like, you can only tell other people's future. Yeah, but wouldn't you just tell your best friend and split the money? 
I don't know. Maybe there's something that keeps them from from doing that. Also, maybe they can't predict numbers. Like this whole thing with psychic is is we don't we don't know what the rules are. We don't know what the boundaries are. So it's 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 hard for me to say that. Like logically, I want to be like no. But then there's that part of me that's like maybe I've I've always, there's always been like random time. I'm sure you've had times in your life where you knew something was about to happen and it did, and you're just like. How did I know that was going to happen? But well, have have either of y'all ever like done like a psychic thing or a tarot card reading or anything? No, I've actually never done one. Uh, and I typically one I would I'd probably say like 90% don't believe in like psychic ability or at least in terms of like somebody who can uh, harness the power in any way. Or anyone who's getting twenty dollars to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so are I'm, you trying to tell me you don't you think Miss Cleo was a fraud? Is that what you're telling me right now? Miss Cleo, that's old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I might be more inclined to believe that people can just experience psychic events um, less than you can actually harness it and be able to to use it. But it it is weird. Every once in a while, you will see some story like about like some woman who led the police somewhere based off of psychic dreams or something you're like okay well how did they make all that up well i heard that <laughs> once in like 20 years like you would think you'd hear it every two weeks yeah that's why sure. i'm saying it, there's got to be like i think there's a chance that that it does exist but it's got to happen so so like slim to none that we really don't hear about it. Right. Like it's, real cases. It's like ghosts. Like people take ghost pictures. If you want to believe in that, then you have to believe that if anyone's capable of taking one picture of a ghost, then we should be capable of taking millions and zillions. Like there is pictures taken every split ghosts second of the day. Ghosts are very camera shy. Okay. They get nervous. Yeah. And they, they have to fix their hair before they take the picture too. If they're lucky enough to have hair, some people, no matter how much shit they put on their head, and no matter how often a dog licks it off, it will not grow. They still end up in bad, bald American dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I did have one experience with a tarot card reading I thought was interesting when I was watching this. To tell you would be on this podcast? No, no. This is when I was in 10th grade. This, like, I was in my creative writing class, and this chick was was like, let me do a tarot card reading on you. And I was like, sure, I'm high. She did it, and she told me that before the day was over, a huge change would happen in my life. And I was like, okay, I seriously doubt that. I, when I got home, my mom called from work to inform me that she just got the news that we would be uh, moving out of state. Hmm. To, for a job transfer. I used and to that, pull this trick on girls all the time. I'd, I'd be like at a party and I'd be like, yeah, I, I'm actually psychic. And then I would say like, oh, uh, I let me see your hand or something. And it's like, oh, I'm feeling like you have a recent regret. It's just like, of course, everybody has a recent regret. <laughs> yeah, doing the whole wide thing. That's what like a lot of them are. They just throw a wide net and it'll catch something. But I yeah. always thought it was, it was pretty interesting that she said a before the day was over, a big life-changing event would happen, and it did. Right. 
I don't know. So I'll have to do it before I really cast judgment. But at this point, I would have to say if these people have that kind of power, I think we would have to give them more than fifteen dollars to find out about it. Like <laughs> something about that just it just reeks uh, fake to me. But okay. So the gypsy starts giving these readings. The first person is Steve, and what's weird is that she pulls two tarot cards for Steve and only one for everyone else that she's giving readings to. Which is obviously a cut for time because when you do an actual tarot card reading, they lay out like multiple cards because they have to do like past, present, future. Uh, so obviously they, for time, they just did a one card thing, but that's not how a tarot card reading would normally go. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, just like you said, cut for time. So, uh, this is not going to be accurate, (laughs) this whole thing going down here. So, ah, I see a death. Oh no. But it will bring you your life's wish. All right. Which... When you find out that he's excited because someone died and he got a better parking spot at work. Yeah, like, whoa. Just, I I was sitting here like, Steve, that was your wish? That's your life's wish, to have a better parking spot. For you to walk, not have to walk an extra three feet. Yeah. 18 steps. It's just, it's amazing. That's sad. Steve is disappointing me in season three. I have to agree with that. I think he is. (laughs) Honey, I can do this. Uh, no, I don't, Steve. With all due respect, I don't really believe in superstition. It's a refuge for small minds. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> you sense a death for me that will bring me my life's wish? <laughs> Let me see. Ah! An unexpected windfall will come your way. But no death? <laughs> Leave me. Alrighty. Go next, Al. This is fun. Now, what about feet? Uh, that's not in the cards. That's not in the cards. We can just smell it. Uh, well, alright. I, I smell cheap scotch. Just, just get to my reading. <laughs> <laughs> like, was... Feet. <laughs> is, is that in the cards? No, I smell your feet. <laughs> Well, I smell cheap scotch on your breath. (laughs) Read me my fortune. What else do you sense? Unfortunately, I see good fortune for you. Something linked to the color green. Huh? What do I have that's green? Your teeth. (laughs) Can I have a dent like Steve? No, that's all I see. We talk about facial expressions every so often. You know how um, when you watch a show like this, do you ever just kind of stare at the person who's not in focus just to kind of see their reactions? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Look at Al the whole time uh, <laughs> once he sits down because he has that face on him. It's it's really weird because it's that like confused, like crunched down weird gaze he kind of gives when he sits there like i don't know it's like a weird way to describe it but and he just kind of stares at her and then he, and then when she says feet to look at his reaction and he says well you know what is that then and then to look at his face the whole time during that process is like really funny so just if you rewatch this look at that it's just great so yeah peg's getting a windfall 
Al, it's not feet. He's getting a great fortune linked to the color green. Right. Now, it's not his teeth. It's it's more in the it's more like a doctor footwear green. So <laughs> so that's good for him. Come on, Marcy, your turn. No, I really shouldn't. Oh, go on, Marcy. It's fun. Good things are happening for everyone. Okay. But I don't know what good it will do. I've already met my tall dark stranger. <laughs> what do you see for me? <laughs> I see nothing, Mrs. Rhodes. Hey, who's the guy on the card with the noose? <laughs> no one, really. Could you pay me now? What? What is it? I have to know. It's good, isn't it? Everyone else's is good. Well, you could interpret it as good. Misfortune, betrayal, disaster, tragedy. But those words could mean anything. <laughs> we did a little research on tarot cards, and we're not sure that any of them have meanings like this. Yeah, okay, so Alex and I were talking about this, and so there are, like, basic meanings for cards. Like, for instance, uh, Peg brought up that there was a noose. So the Hangman Tarot card, uh, the generic meanings for it is upright, suspension, restriction, letting go, sacrificed, reversed, martyrdom, indecision, and delay, which none of that means a windfall. But I was telling Alex that a lot of times... No, that she says that about Marcy. Oh, that's for Marcy. Yeah, yeah. and none of that means misfortune, betrayal, disaster, or tragedy. Yeah, well, you could argue... You could interpret it as as good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. but like I was telling Alex, a lot of of this shit is just literally whatever the fortune teller decides to turn that into for you. Right. Well, like I said, I don't really believe in this stuff. Thanks, Steve. This is fun. I'm going to die. (laughs) But you three will have good luck. You know, it's funny. I wanted to hire a caricaturist, but Steve thought that might upset people. You were so right. This is much better. Let's party. Come on. This is a con artist, a fake, a charlatan. So good things are going to happen for me, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like we said, you know, Marcy sits down and Peg says, who's the guy with the noose? Which is odd that she even, like, described it as a noose because... From all the research we've done, the only – and you would think that there's – on a tarot card, there's a guy just standing there holding a noose. But there really isn't. Not that we saw. But there – got to remember, there are a zillion interpretations. And I'm sure they all didn't land on Google. But uh, all we could see was that one Jerry mentioned called the hanged man. Uh-huh. And it's a guy hanging upside down on a tree. And there's like a, a rope around his right ankle, and he seems happy to be there. Like it ain't <laughs> like they hung, like someone hung him. So it's weird to refer as a rope around your ankle as a noose. Why would you be happy at that? Like, are you like, <laughs> look, mom, I'm practicing my magic tricks. <laughs> but like we said, that doesn't even mean anything that that was described either. The, uh, Jerry said what that card meant. It's just weird altogether. She's just like pissed everyone else is thrilled because they all had good fortunes even alan peg which is another weird 
character arc for them. So you gotta remember, like them them two and their relationship is is very different than every single other mayor with children. Usually it's nothing but negative. The next day, Peg's home and a guy rings the doorbell. You can't take these fortune tellers seriously. They just make up stuff. Mrs. Bundy? Yes? I found your husband's wallet in the parking lot at the mall. Oh, it's all there, ma'am. I didn't take anything. Oh, you know, he will be so happy to hear that there are still some honest people left in the world. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, excuse me, but I came all the way over here on my own time. Oh, sorry <laughs> so she gets the drift isn't going to give him any money the closest thing to her is a jacket hanging on the closet door <laughs> she pulls the jacket off and throws it to him and slams the door on him <laughs> now if you if you did this and you handed some and you did the same exact thing this guy did and somebody gave you a jacket would you be okay with that like it doesn't seem like that bad of a, a reward except that it's used i think i'd just be really weirded out <laughs> like i don't i think i would just leave i don't you know if i take the jacket unless it was like a really nice jacket i think i'd just drop it and leave <laughs> well it's better than what the guy who brought the basket from the schmitz got that's true so peg's improving what so, would you guys give back the money if if i found someone's wallet i would honestly Take all their money and put it in their mailbox. <laughs> just so they don't have to go and get all their stuff done again. Yeah. Wait, you so you keep the money and then put the, put the wallet in the mailbox? Mm-hmm. Okay, because at first when you said it, I was like, so you're going to take all the money out, put it in the mailbox, and give and them back your wallet? And then you're going to steal their mail? <laughs> when they go check their mail later, it's just their money with a note saying, ha ha. Ha ha, loser, gone to the beach. What about you, Jerry? Would you give back the money? Um, no. Well, I, there's a part of me that that just goes, I would hope someone would give me my money back. But who keeps cash in their wallet anymore? Like at most, I keep like a five dollar bill in case. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big cash keeper. I, I kind of do it differently though. Um, so like, there's been instances where that's happened. Like I found money on the ground, or like you know, a wallet or something. And I've kept money. Um, if I, I would expect if I lost my wallet, okay, I expect all the money to be gone, but I hope somebody at least returns like my ID and, and credit, credit card cards. and stuff like that. Well, there you go. You expect me to find your wallet. Yeah. But yeah. also like the other day I was at a gas station and I bought two items that were like $10 each. I forget what it was. And as I was leaving, getting in my car, I was going to pump my gas. I also bought gas. I noticed on the receipt that I'd only got charged for one of the items. Please tell me you didn't go back in. I went back in because look, here's why (laughs) I had been really lucky lately with finding money and finding like different, like getting away with stuff. Like I bought some Blu-rays and I didn't get charged for them and stuff like that. So I was like, I feel like I'm taking advantage of this. So just to keep my karma in check, I'm going to do the right thing. Turns out that lady, it was her first day on the job and stuff. And, and um, I felt good about myself for doing that because, like, she probably would have got either maybe even fired because that's a pretty big thing to mess up one on your first day. Wow. Have it short your drawer. But, yeah, this just happened like two weeks ago. 
Yeah, maybe I should think about my karma. <laughs> All right. Well, mine's not been very good besides finding stuff, so I figured it wouldn't hurt. Well, maybe a black cat just walked across your path. That joke, <laughs> while very funny, was so strange. Like, they don't acknowledge it. Like, Marcy's like, do you have a cat? No. Why do you ask? Nothing. I just saw the cat. Like, there's a cat in your house. Just randomly. Well, at least she didn't throw a knife at it like Bella Gosey. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is I'll give it to him because if you ever go on the internet and, and search up cat stuff, there are a lot of people that wake up and they're, they're, a cat got in their house and it's just like laying next to them. <laughs> like, this is a common thing that happens. <laughs> Can you believe it, Marcy? A windfall, just like the gypsy said. I'm so happy for you. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Marcy. Nothing bad ever happens to you. You're the luckiest person I know. Hey, guess what happened? You remember that fortune teller, Sid Green? Well, I saw this horse, Gang Green, running in the third race today. He went off at 20 to 1, and I won $200. <laughs> that fortune teller really knew what she was talking about. He saw a horse uh, named Gang Green. And he Why? decided to... Why would you name it that? Now, here, here's what doesn't make any <laughs> sense about it. Um, well, it's 20 to 1, and he won $200. So for all your mathematicians, how much money did Al put on the horse? 10. Thank you. Okay, good. I was hoping... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I hope nobody gets that wrong. Uh, this, this, It's a good joke, because Gang Green, you know, Al sort of dirty that way i guess with the you know the showering or whatever and so it's dead tissue caused by an infection or lack of blood flow so that's that's pretty perfect for al to bet on a horse called gangrene the only weird thing is it's not it's not the color green it's because gangrene is only one word and it's g-r-e-n-e so it's not green So, so none of that really makes sense. That's just them playing with words uh, and just figuring that who cares, you know, which I don't care. You know, it's not like I'm not subtracting 0.5 on this episode for that. I'm going to die. (laughs) Oh, Marcy. I'm sure she was wrong. Steve was the only one she went into detail with and nobody has died yet. Guess who just kicked the bucket? (laughs) Only the man with the best parking space at the bank meet the new man with the best parking space at the bank. He always said I'd get that space over his dead body. (laughs) See you at the funeral, Simpson. (laughs) Boy, that gypsy sure knew what she was talking about. She sure did. Now, can we we just, like, talk about Steve for a minute here? If we have to. Okay, I'm going to go right to Justin because... You're probably going to sugarcoat this with rose-cutter glasses. What what does that tell you about Steve, Justin? A man died, and Steve is celebrating because he could take 18 less steps to a to a door. I, I would say that that makes Steve a pretty bad person. <laughs> now, to be fair, this guy who had the good parking spot could have been a huge ass that we don't know about. Okay. You know what I mean? So, but I mean, at, at, at surface value, it looks like, you know, to be legitimately like thrilled that you got a better parking spot is one weird uh, to be that thrilled. And two, once you find out that it's because somebody had died, 
Right. Well, that's just messed up. That's more of a Bundy move. Exactly. I was going to go into the. This is more proof that Al has corrupted Steve because Al is the kind of person who buys a huge gang of roses for a dead person to get recognition off of it. Right. That's how he treats dead people. His son in the next episode treats dead people poorly. This is this is the Al Bundy corruption on my man, Steve, which is greatly affecting his character in season three. (laughs) I have to agree. I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to think of Steve. That Steve is like, (laughs) as much as we said that his character was the most accurate to how David Garrison portrayed him. I almost feel like, I don't know who Steve is anymore because the crap he pulled in season two with Marcy and making her a slave, the stuff he's done, the the cl- clothing he's, he's do not on. bring it up. <laughs> no, moving on, uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, I just don't know where if he's coming or going. I don't know anything about Steve anymore. I won two hundred dollars on a horse. Yeah, and I I got I got the best guy in the whole world. <laughs> So we're all winners. Why is everyone looking at me? Because you're up next. Smooth, Al. Don't you think she knows disaster is going to happen to her? Yeah, maybe it's not even safe to have her in our house. Don't know. I'm not taking her to my house. I don't even want her around my parking space. <laughs> Again, Al turning to Marcy and just gazing at her. She goes, what are you all looking at me for? And he goes, well, because you're next. Like, how amazing was that acting? J- just the way he looked at her with that, like, sort of scary, sympathetic. He He conveyed everything you're supposed to convey in one look. It was pretty amazing. That, that whole scene is amazing once Marcy starts going into how she's going to crash into the ocean and then can't, can't get into a lifeboat because all the bigger girls are going to bully her. And then Al walks up to her and goes, let me let me fix this. And it's like, you don't have to worry. There's no ocean between here and New York. You'll just hit a mountain and disintegrate. <laughs> she won't even feel it. Yeah. Your boss, Mr. Vandegelder, called. And of all the employees at your bank, he wants you to accompany him when he makes his keynote speech at the Women in Banking Convention. Really? Me? Ha! I spit in Madame Olga's eye. <laughs> Stupid gypsy. Glad I stopped payment on her check. <laughs> Let her rot in hell because I'm going to the top. Where and when, Steve? Tomorrow night, 7.30, New York City. I love New York City. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. How am I going to make it there, Steve? Uh, On a plane. You're flying. So that's how you're going to (laughs) die. Her way of getting around this. Now, I think this is completely flawed. Millions of people fly every day. Be strong. And buy insurance. Insurance? Yes. As a matter of fact, I'll take insurance with me. Uh, 
Won't it burn in the wreck, sweetie? I don't mean that kind of insurance vulture. Taking you with me. All of you. You're having good luck. Nothing can happen to you. So we'll all fly to New York together. We'll pay. Oh, well, we're going to New York. Free. Well, I guess if it'll make you feel safer, we can afford four coach tickets. Uh, excuse me here, Steve. Uh, Bundys don't fly coach. Uh, we, we fly first class or we don't fly. Done. First class? I thought I'd have to wait for my second husband to fly first class. She feels... That if she just has Al and Peg tag along, like, I don't know if Steve was always going to go, but uh, I guess he is now. Um, oh, no, wait. Yeah, she didn't even know she was doing this. So there was no plan, I guess, because she just got this news. And I don't even know how many. Oh, tomorrow night. That's kind of weird, right? Like <laughs> telling somebody they have to be in New York uh, with less than 24 hours notice. Uh, yeah, that's weird, but I, I think I'll just let that go because it's I think that's just one of those things where you accept it because it's a TV show. But like to give a speech that she never wrote. It's well, here's the thing. we don't know. They Marcy and Steve could have known that it was a possibility they were going on this trip. That could have been part of what the party was for. And she just didn't know if she was the one that get it. If you had this tarot card reading. Yeah. And everybody's thing came true. And then you get this news that they would like you to fly somewhere. And you had your reading. Would you do this? Hell no. Right? I, I don't mean, even believe in that stuff in hell no. <laughs> right. Well, what and what logic is it that you're going to bring the other three people who are lucky? Uh, But how are they still lucky? They got all three of their things fulfilled. Doesn't that yeah. negate the luck back to zero? What kind yeah. of what kind of logic is that? That's what was. That's what I said. I think the whole plan is flawed. That's what I was going to say. Their luck is over with. Yeah, are you well, saying the Bundys are going to be lucky for the rest of their lives? Get out of here. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. Her whole plan is flawed. How are three people that got predicted exactly what they got, how are they going to guarantee that you don't go down in a plane crash? You know? Yep. Yeah, so... It's funny. Wow. Did you always think that? Or when I said her plan is flawed? Did no, you no, it's that? it's in my notes. Oh, okay. I thought I like pulled the one pin that unraveled this whole entire episode. I didn't know you were going to go for that because I thought you were just talking about how it didn't make any sense, like the travel arrangements and last minute, all that. I didn't know you were going toward. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't. Yeah. I was building. Yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. Listen, I'm sure you'll steal my thunder many a time. Uh, so, uh, that's Marcy's insurance. That's her like life insurance to bring these people along. But, uh, there's only one problem with this whole thing. The Bundys don't fly coach. Bullshit. I am calling. (laughs) The Bundys don't fly coach. The Bundys would fly in the luggage department. Okay. (laughs) Don't the, the Bundys would like hop on like cockroaches. It should be the Bundys don't fly first class. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I understand they're milking the situation, but I, if I was Steve, I would have literally just been like, "The bunny." I know damn well you ain't never paid for first class. <laughs> you would never even be lucky enough to get upgraded for free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. So now there's another new set. 
Oh, the airplane set. Yeah, like, I guess we could list a couple. I just like to do this because I want to give, you know, season three credit here. You know, the the show's picking up. We all, we just, just did a special on Terry Ricolta, so we know that the show didn't increase 110% in the beginning of season three, but look what they've done. We've had a library. A sex shop. A sex shop. We've had a football <laughs> field. We've had a log cabin. A Oh, no, they did that in the shoe store. The bald and the beautiful. Yeah, that was in the shoe store. <laughs> and now we have an airplane. And next week, I'll just say it. Oh, wow, I could say the next two weeks. Oh, my God, dude. I'm looking. I got to stop looking at this. <laughs> there, There is a set change seven times in a row. Wow, that's big for them. I'll just say it real quick. Barbershop, a courtroom, a restaurant, whoa, a school. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You see a salon. Right. Uh, a dance stage and a fast food restaurant. That's great. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I noticed when I think it was like the football field where I was like, oh, it's so nice to get out of the, the Bundy house and the shoe store, you know, and it's I think in the first, you know, two seasons, obviously they didn't go out much. But that's interesting that they, you know, now they're full force with it. They're like world travelers in season three. Uh, now, here's the thing. I don't feel claustrophobic. Do you guys? No. No. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't really feel that way. But it is nice to leave. But uh, Marcy is stuck writing Vandegelder's speech on the plane. This guy Vandegelder, is is he like a famous actor? Uh, mediocrely. Uh, he's played by F. William Parker, who, if you're a horror fan, you've seen him in Jack Frost. If you're an Ed O'Neill fan, you've seen him in Little Giants. And if you're a TV soap opera fan, you've seen him in General Hospital. Oh, okay. Is he alive? Uh, I don't think he is anymore. Right, he's kind of old. He's old. Uh, so he's on the plane with, you know, I... (laughs) I'm having a hard time describing her, but her name is Fluffy, which is ridiculous. Yep. Like, what chick goes by Fluffy? Like, <laughs> who who in their right mind thinks Fluffy is, is a sexy name for a chick? That's a cute name for a dog. That's a, that's a, that's a good name for a, a chubby comedian, not a, a hot blonde chick. Now, okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Is she hot? Now... The reason I'm, I'm asking this is because I didn't think she was. Her face is not attractive to me. She had a face? She She's like super like early 90s like fake plasticky hot. Right. Because her face and her tits were not appealing to me for some reason. Uh, they're big and, and I like that. But something <laughs> about them just didn't look right. And then they got they they do a shot of her legs, and then I got back into her, huh. and then I'm I'm thinking she's hot again, and then I start researching her, and then I do feel like she's hot, but I don't know if the lighting or the angle helped her face any in this episode. No, well I, she hasn't done much. She she did some Star Trek series, but that's about it. And some nude photo shoots. Yeah, you can find her nude. What's her name? Like something wild, right? Uh, Sandra, Sandra Wild. Wild. 
Yeah. I've I've pretty much come to grips with any of like the hot girls that have a IMDb page from the show probably have done nudity because it seems like <laughs> every time I look them up they they have. Yeah, it seems everyone we look up has done it, which is is a amazing bonus for us at this age. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been when I watched it at eleven too. Yeah, if only you knew. If only I knew that that all existed. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. So yeah, she's she's hot. Just I don't think so in this episode, but uh, she's hot for this guy. I mean, I we're, we didn't look up her age and this guy's age, but let's just say he had to be uh, at least twenty five years older. So that's good for him. So Al is taunting the people in coach. <laughs> now, what do you think, Pig? Do we live in that VIP lounge or what? Oh, well, probably not. He threw us out after you overflowed the toilet. Oh, <laughs> uh, Peg, you gotta see this. Look at those poor slobs back in coach sitting like cattle. Now, <laughs> 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 that's not nice. Boy, the seats are big up here in first class. <laughs> I, lo- I did not find that funny. Really? I didn't. I was just like, eh. Really? Yeah, I didn't find that funny. I was just waiting for that to get over with. It was it was cringeworthy. I think it was much funnier when he actually sits down in his seat and is like, you know, saying things like, a whole round for everybody, it's free up here. That was funnier because it's him out of his element. But him, like, technically being in his element and trying to act like he's better than them, it was just like, eh. You know you're about to go right back to to being on the bottom. Wow, what do you think, Justin? Uh, I didn't love it, or you know, I think I'm probably more along the lines of, with Jerry. You you don't think Al being obnoxious? I like Al when Al's being obnoxious in his element, but him being a, um, obnoxious to his elements. Yeah, it seemed it seemed it seemed like kind of like mean spirited almost. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. But, like, not in, like, his way where he's, like, the underdog, you know what I mean? Like, like when you're the underdog, it's okay to say stuff like that. But when you're above somebody, it just comes off as kind of douchey. Yeah. Here's what you're you're sort of missing, though. He's not above them, and he finally gets to fake it for no, five I said seconds. No, I, I said that he's, that he's just like them, and him being like that towards them, is it, it, it's cringy, like you said, and it's not funny. We we get what you're saying. It just does not work. <laughs> when he does that, when he like uh, taunts these people and coach, I kind of um, I just stare at the Chinese lady who's like the only person you could really see there, and you can see someone else behind her trying to sit down. I just keep staring at her to see her reaction. <laughs> so I I almost don't even like take it in for what he's doing, and I I do cringe while it's happening though. It's like a weird combo, but. I think it's funny because we all know Al would never be in first class again. So the first chance he gets, it's kind of his revenge on the world. You know, he's always the loser. And the second he gets to not be a loser, he's going to like flaunt it. So I kind of, I get the humor, you know, I'm not rolling on the floor laughing, but I have no problem with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I feel what you're saying. Al makes another flotation device joke about an airplane about a person on an airplane now do you know what that's like a callback to 
It's completely blanking in my mind. I can't think of anything. Second episode. Oh, Patsy's uh, stewardess in training. Yep. Now look how she drapes her leg over that flotation device. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, what, I don't know if they thought that through, but the pilot apparently sleeps with the stewardesses. The conversation between the flight attendant and Marcy is one of the funniest lines ever. It is my fun, my favorite line in the whole show. She goes, is the pilot any good? And she goes, oh, his hands are gentle, but oh, so rough. <laughs> I meant, I meant, can he fly the plane? How would I know? How would I know? I don't know. You work here. You're still alive. That line, I had to pause this episode. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. That absolutely killed me. And that just shows us that Luke Ventura was right. Uh, it's good to move into a, a place of mostly stewardesses. Apparently. <laughs> Al takes his shoes off for probably one of the funniest visual gags on Married with Children. I'm probably absolutely sure they used that clip in the commercial for this episode. That Yeah, that visual gag was amazing. They had to have used that in the commercial. Would you agree? Okay. Yeah, that's that's the best non-buck visual gag they've had so far <laughs> yeah now what what are those things that came down from the ceiling is that to breathe is that like breathing into a paper bag no it's it's actual oxygen oh it's it an is. actual okay. oxygen mass that will give you oxygen okay well that works then it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room i'm the dj and i'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Mary with children i had some trouble with my baby so i had my fortune raised. Marcy's fortune almost comes true because the plane goes into turbulence. Uh, I guess that's just like a rough patch in the air, like wind is just hitting everything the wrong way, and the plane goes up and down, just like starts to rumble. Yeah. I've been in it. At this point, in Marcy's point of view, this is when she's going to die. Ta, feeling better, honey? Fine, fine. Not dead or anything. <laughs> I told you that gypsy fortune teller was just a bunch of hooey. This is your captain speaking. We're starting our initial descent over... Whoa! Frank, turn off the unicorn. We're going down. What are we going to do? You know I stink at landings. You took the test for... Give me some gin to turn the unicorn back on. I'll just lie to the passengers. Uh, we're encountering a little mild turbulence. So for your safety, fasten seatbelts, extinguish all cigarettes, and... Uh, what the hell? Light up. <laughs> Peggy, this is it. We're going down. Hey, hey, Paula. 
wanna marry you. Hey, hey, Paul, I wanna marry you too. Steve, I just want you to know I love you. And if only one of us has to go, I hope it's me. Don't you feel the same way? That's what you want. I hope it's you too. Miss Rhodes, the speech is still unacceptable. Do it over before we land. Can you believe this guy? Miss Rhodes, get me a pillow. I'm going to die in a blazing furnace and he wants a pillow. Her fortune's coming true. She's going to crash. And this guy, uh, Vandegelder, in the midst of this, asks her to write her speech over again because he doesn't like it. And he didn't hear anything that was said over the intercom by the pilot, much like uh, Alan Peggy didn't. So he has no idea what's going on. And I'm assuming a guy like him has, fly- has flown a lot, so he just thinks it's just some turbulence. Right. Because, yeah, it's all about her point of view. And I love how the – number one, the guy – flying the plane not only does he sleep with all the stewardess but he says i like how he also tells the co-pilot he's like well you should know what to do you took the test for me (laughs) you fat pig (laughs) i work my fingers to the bone for you i'm a bank manager damn it not your handmaiden but do you appreciate me no it's always get me coffee write my speech here comes my wife for 10 fluffies with you well i'm sick of it and I'm sick of you, Vander Duty. I've done a lot of low things for you, but when I meet my maker in a few minutes and he asks if I've done anything good, I'll say yes, I did this. <laughs> I'm ready to die. Well, we seem to pull out of that one. I'm happy to say we're on our final approach to JFK and we'll be landing in 10 minutes. I hope you enjoyed your trip. We're gonna live! We can't! You said we were gonna crash! Now you say we're not! What kind of a pilot are you? Steve, I'm never flying this airline again. (laughs) Steve, what have I done? I'm ruined. This is what the gypsy meant. Disaster. The end of my career. So Marcy walks over and tells her boss off and then punches him in the face. And she said that she split his lip like a bunny. Do you know what that means? No clue. The only thing that I can think of is if you look at a rabbit, like they kind of have that little space in there. Oh, yeah. Kind of like if you have you ever seen someone who has a cleft lip? Oh, yeah. Bunnies have that, like, right in the middle, like, saying, like, how we have those kind of two ridges. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, it's like a Y. It's a big Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of it, though. Wow. I I did not get that. So thank you, Justin, because I would not have thought of that. I thought it was just a stupid line. (laughs) Me too. Just, like, keep your own own teeth as long as you can. (laughs) Oh, Clark Gable. Clark Gable. We started looking up Clark Gable's teeth. I keep hearing the name Clark Gable everywhere now. (laughs) <laughs> like I was just listening to something that was talking about someone being a stunt double for him. And I'm like, why is this coming up everywhere now? Ah. When he regains consciousness, I know his first words will be, you're fired. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. 
play your cards right, you might even get a promotion. I split his lip like a bunny, Steve. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know something about Mr. Vandegelder that Mrs. Vandegelder doesn't. What's that? The fluster. <laughs> you look back over Vandegelder, and Fluffy is stealing money a dollar at a time <laughs> from his breast pocket and his shirt. Uh, while he's knocked out, so that's just letting us know why she's there, as if we couldn't guess. The title of this episode is a reference, like almost every Married with Children is, and it's a reference to the 1962 song of the same name by Lou Christie. And speaking of songs, we had two songs in this episode. Um, Alan Pegg sing, sing the song Hey Paula by Paul and Paula, and they also sing the song I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher. Yeah, I didn't listen to the song The Gypsy Cried by Lou Christie, but I really want to hear it now. Should we play that on this show instead of the songs that were on the show? Uh, listen to this. Listen to the song first and make that call. See if it's any good. Okay. Yeah. Well, at this point in the episode, if you guys heard it already, um, <laughs> what did you think? That means I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, although this is live, we somehow ah, never mind. So, <laughs> yeah, we're live in the nudie bar. Where are you guys? We told you to come here. You know it's Wednesday. So, Al and Peg are oblivious to everything going on. They're having a great old time together, and they're blasting headphones, you know, living the good life. Why uh, Why do the headphones look like um, stethoscopes, Those the things doctors use to read your heartbeat? I don't know. Like, did y'all notice? I legitly was like, are those headphones or is that just like, it looks like a stethoscope. Maybe that's all planes had. May I, maybe that's how they had to had to run them. I don't know. But it's weird to me because I, at this point in time, I'm not used to, in 89, no one was using earbuds. It was always like the big the big things. But I guess it's because earbuds you would be able to hear better on an airplane because of all the background noise. Right. But here's the here's the character arc or the relationship arc. Did you notice that Alan Pegg really seem to get along with each other when everything's going great and they're kind of living the high life and stuff? They're, li you know, going first class. They have good fortune. You know, even from the beginning of the episode, like Peggy's not mad that he uh stuffed up their toilet he compliments her breast right like they're pretty happy this whole episode together the whole thing so it it begs the question do you think they have a possibility of happiness if they only can incorporate money into their life like you know the, the the eating they do at the party for free, the first class, the fortunes, the you know the money in the wallet, the money in the horse track, like the it, it's almost as if money is like the one thing looming over this relationship that kind of crumbles it completely. You're you're right. Yeah, like without that obstacle, they seem to really like each other. Yeah, I agree. It's weird, right? That that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's even interesting that they set it up from the beginning. Yeah. Like, I don't think Al and Peggy really take any hard shots at each other this episode. Mm -mm. Nobody ever seems to mention that Marcy's fortune never came true. I was actually going to bring it up 
she actually came out like above all this like but the thing is that she did go through strife but it i here's the thing here and here's my theory i hope i'm not stealing your thunder do you have a theory on this i have nothing else besides saying that here's my theory (laughs) before the gypsy reads her fortune marcy makes fun of her saying she doesn't believe in superstitions now the card that we know marcy gets from peggy is the hanged man because of the noose Oh, so now the deck, but what, as you brought up, what the fortune teller tells her is nothing like that card. I don't think the fortune teller told her her fortune. She was messing with her the same way when Bud said, will I be bald like you or be like Mr. Rhodes? Yes, it is her. You took a shot at her and her profession. Whether you believe it or not, you still did that in her face openly without a problem. So you know what she did? She threw it back on you. And her fortune was actually good. When you look up uh, the hanged man, remember we... we there we, is no other thing with a noose, yeah. Here, Yeah, here's the thing with the hanged man. Suspension, restriction, letting go, sacrifice, martyrdom, indecision, and delay. She went through a lot of those. She sacrificed was paying for the Bundy's ticket. She punched. She let go of the restrictions of following everything her boss told her to. Right. She she and then her fortune was reversed by Steve saying, oh, well, you know, you can just talk about a side chick. She and she was in such interesting her. I, I, and I swear to you, I did not think of this before the show. It literally just came to me. Yeah. Uh. I honestly think that it. I don't think they planned this. But as it can be looked at that way. Like, I think if it was planned, you would see, we would have to go back and watch that moment when the fortune teller tells her this to see if there's like a twinkle in her eye or like just a smirk or something like that. That's a little that you could tell maybe she's like feeding her bull crap. But either way, it's still really cool. (laughs) Was it planned for the car to be the noose and her actually go through the things that the hangman represents? Was that planned or not by the writers? Or was that a throwaway thing? That's what I'm I'm saying is you would have to see how the actress who plays the fortune teller says that as if it's – is she – there has to be a tell there as, as you know, that's just how you write TV. You ha- have to have a tell for the audience. I'll tell you this. Uh, unfortunately we're doing this episode justice because the tell is the fortune teller. When she looks at the card, her, she has this wide eyed look and slams it down and she goes, well, what, what happened? She, and the, then that's when Peg goes, who's the guy with the news? She goes, is it good? Well, it could be interpreted as good. So there, there's a mixture here. The wide eyes would tell you that it is not good. But she's selling her performance. I mean, right. I'm sure she does that a lot. Yeah. In the sense that you're saying, like, she's trying to convince Marcy it's bad. And if she was doing that, why would she say it could be interpreted as good, you know, at all? Because she hasn't been paid yet. Um, if the writers actually wrote it the way that Jerry explained it, it would probably be the most <laughs> in-depth, like, 
<laughs> right. It would be the most is the greatest thing ever for such a throwaway. Yeah. Episode. Like, it would be I, like the most hardcore of, of writings. <laughs> if I ever I want to find out if the writer for this episode is still alive, because if he is, I want his email. I have to ask. I want to just send him this episode. It does work so well with it, what you said. It really does. The meaning of the episode could be that fortune telling is bullcrap and there's just a bunch of coincidences and the fourth one didn't happen because it's not real. <laughs> I like Jerry's theory. That, I mean, that that would be amazing if that was true. Yeah, I love what we've done here, but clearly we are doing this episode a ton of justice. So we'll be right back with our <laughs> ratings. <laughs> When you watched Batman as a kid, you enjoyed the colorful heroes and villains, the text sound effects on the screen, the thrill of watching a heroic crime fighter escaping from death traps and taking down bad guys. But the show was devised to interest adults, too. What did you miss as a kid? Sexual innuendo. The penguin's too small for me. Closeted gay characters. I like that cape, Batman. Freudian death traps. Has the giant clam really swallowed Robin? Police incompetence. Bruce Wayne is a millionaire playboy. <laughs> Hardly a secret identity for Batman. Whether you're a kid or an adult, there's something to like about our favorite cape crusader. Tim and Paul dig for the deeper meanings under the Batmania every first, third, and fifth Thursday of the month. What's the podcast's name? To the Batpoles. To the bat poles, to the bat poles. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash married with children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode. Wow, uh, that was a good time. The gypsy cried. I was looking forward to this episode because Jerry's reaction... To me, reading the synopsis last week was funny. He he clearly thought this would not be very good. So it's I'm dying to hear his uh, his review here. But uh, so yeah, the gypsy cried guys. How many fur coats are we taking upstairs for Wild Night? Out of five, do you give the gypsy cried Justin? Uh, I think this episode was solid. One of the things that I kind of questioned slightly that we didn't really talk about was the end result being that that Marcy can just tell on her boss for having a, a side chick when it really doesn't make a ton of sense that if if that if he ever thought that was a possibility he would not be flaunting his side chick around Marcy, <laughs> um, you know it just seems dumb at that point, but. Uh, I still think the episode was pretty funny. If Jerry's theory is correct, that would be a hundred percent of five fur coats uh, <laughs> upstairs for the night or whatever out of out of five, right? I mean, that would be amazing. So, without knowing that, though, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I would probably have to go with four 
until I found that confirmation for fur coats out of five. That's not bad. And you're right. I might have pondered that. Like, why does Vanderbilt just walk around with this girl? I mean... I, I honestly think it's just, you know, rich, powerful people like that think they can do and get away with everything. And he probably just thinks that she's not going to tell on me. I, I pay her bills. Right. Maybe he does it in front of people that he knows have something to lose by betraying him. Like, who would want to lose? Let's just say. I just think Marcy's character, knowing her as, like, like very against that type of thing. You know what I mean? Very very yeah the feminism thing yeah, yeah. the feminism thing you know what i mean it, I, but you're, you're kind of right I but mean, he does marcy marcy is also always trying to move up in the company so she would put on a power dress and deal with it and <laughs> a speech yeah or write a speech or you know clean the the fish guts off a dress yeah <laughs> it, it, you never know okay yeah. so how many fur coats are you taking upstairs out of five jerry for this episode I have my rule. I don't give a five out of five unless there there's something super iconic. So I couldn't give it a, a five out of five. Um, I I was gonna do a four point five, but I had to deduct that point five for that one cringy owl scene. So I'm giving it a solid four out of five. I absolutely I love this episode. I think it's great. I, this is an episode I will come back to. For sure. I already want to go back and rewatch it right now just to check and see if there's any if more there's, evidence. Yeah, if there's any more evidence that <laughs> then I can you would pull you would out. up to a five, right? Hey, dude, if if I had proof that my theory is correct, six out of five. <laughs> like that is some of the most like talk about putting so much effort into a joke no one would see. Right. Like, how many people would have ever thought that hard on this episode? We've already pointed out many of times where we've thought way harder in a Married with Children than anyone else ever would. Oh, yeah. And this might take it to the next level. I've already heard people have written to me and said, you know what I like about your show? It's that you guys are doing the complete opposite of what is supposed to be happening when you watch Married with Children. You're sp- this is a show that is clearly a turn your brain off and have a good time and enjoy. And and they said you are doing the complete opposite and the juxtaposition to the to what is supposed to happen and what you do is great because you're the turn your brain on of married with children. So we think of things that you never would have thought of. Like who would ever even contemplate anything about this like i think the example that was given was when um that episode where al was trying to hide the money all over the house and we were like dissecting it and picking it apart like well who would even think of these things but sometimes like sometimes that works out for the worst which is rarely but it usually works out for the best and, and and in the exploration of the episode so people really like that we have like a weird strong suit for doing this so yeah Turning your uh, brain on or off, I'm just going to say for for myself, The Gypsy Cried, I've always liked this one. I feel like it's they're really stepping outside of the norm. I like the idea of bringing in a gypsy, everybody getting these readings, uh, how 
whimsical it is that they they all come true. Then the, the way, like I said, Al looks at Marcy. Well, you're next. Hold on, I, I don't want to inter. I hate to interrupt you, but no, Marcy doesn't believe in superstition, but she believes that Al's sweat proving that Elvis is alive is real. Well, I did say that, didn't I? Say, oh well, Al sweating. Well, that that means, of course, it must be true. Well, no, no, I know we just made fun of her for it. Right, but yeah, right, right. Her thinking process, yeah. Where she's like, I don't believe in superstition. I'm like, yeah, but you took that as an omen with no issues. Even Peggy was like, come on, that's not real. And you convinced her, who was already trying to convince everyone that she saw Elvis. I think it's what Al said. People see what they want to see. Like, men only see UFOs. And women see Elvis. I think people just believe what they want to believe a lot of times. I guess so. I, I just had to bring that up. Go go back to your rating. I'm sorry. No, it's great. Because I don't know why she doesn't want to believe this. I mean, I, I'm sure if the lady said something positive. Maybe if she said something about Elvis, she would believe it because Elvis over everything. Except for except for you. Because yeah. you hated that episode. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like that episode. That's funny. Uh, Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all their stuff coming true, the premise of getting on an airplane and that's how she's going to die. I mean, talk about building great suspense because now we're just dying, no pun intended, to see what happens when she gets on the airplane. And then you got the airplane, which is great. We all love when the Bundys and Rhodes get out of the house. Not that we mind them being in it and we, we better not because we have about seven seasons of them being in it. Or eight, I think. I think it's all around really strong. There were no jokes that didn't work. We cleared up the bunny split lip thing. Um, there are some odd things like, you know, the, the fluffy, why is she there? If it's a secret and Marcy's cards never came true, unless his amazing theory is, is correct. But... With turning your brain off, which is what I really do, although we do this podcast, um, I'll go with a four out of five like everybody else. I think it's, I really like it. Solid entry. It's right up there with every, you know, it's a great season three entry. Um, I have no problem with it and I've, I've watched it many times and it's, it's a, a great episode. It's all cool. Your, your ums are way better than mine. When it, like like when you when you say it um it, it it works really well when i say an um it just sounds stupid it's something i have to delete like i delete i, I i've been starting to do that where i delete them from podcasts <laughs> and it's annoying but now that i've started doing it i'm like i have to take it i know what the wave pattern looks like now Oh yeah, it's the same thing. It's it's big, then it keeps getting smaller as it keeps going to the yes, right. yeah. It starts big and goes small really quickly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, hey, that's it's uh, uh, five and a half years, buddy. Just kidding. So that's it. So that's Mary with Children. A Gypsy Cried. We all really like it, according to our ratings. That's called really like it. Um, the, <laughs> um now I'm saying um every five seconds. <laughs> the next episode, guys. Tune in next week for Requiem for a Dead Barber. After the death, by the way, this is one of those bad synopsises, I'm sure. After the death of his longtime barber, Al lets his hair down rather than tolerate a visit to a stylist or a salon staffed by women. 
when Al backs down and no, so we talk. See, that's just giving too much. This is uh... like you should have just stopped it at uh, not getting his haircut, going to salute. Why would you give away that he? That's like if we went back to the phone bill episode and we're just like, but eventually he lets he pays the phone bill to keep uh, Peg's mom from showing up. Like, just stop. Who writes these? I actually had to uh, delete something I said last week in an episode because when I'm reading the thing, uh, or no, you read the description for The Bold and the Beautiful, and it tells you in the description that Marcy gave him the coupon. When you read that, I actually deleted the word Marcy twice. Wow. Because... In case people don't watch this before they listen to us. I just wanted to save them the big reveal. Yeah. And and this, you're right. I'm going to have to reverse my talk there, too. This is unbelievable. All right, guys. Well, you already got it. After his death of his longtime barber, Al, Al would rather let his hair grow out than visit a salon. The end. We'll see you next week. <laughs>